So today I'm reminded of the story of the old town drunk who, after an all-nighter on a Saturday night, just happens to wander down by the river on a Sunday morning. And that Sunday morning, the local preacher is doing baptisms in the river, full immersion. He wanders a little closer because he's curious. Preacher sees him and says, friend, would you like to find Jesus? And he says, yes. So he gets in the water, he gets dunked once, comes out. The preacher says, did you find Jesus? No, I haven't. So he takes him, dunks him a second time, pulls him back up. Have you found Jesus? No, I haven't. Preacher's getting annoyed. So he says, okay, this time I'm going to give him a real good one. So he takes him, dunks him, holds him down, brings him back up. This guy's spitting water out of his mouth, rubbing his eyes, short of breath. Friend, did you find Jesus? No, I haven't, but are you sure, preacher, this is where he fell in? In today's gospel, Nicodemus is also looking for Jesus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means he is a Jewish leader, and he knew the, Mos the Mosaic laws backwards and forwards and kept them and strictly followed them. And not only that, but he was also a member of the Sanhedrin court. These were an elite group of Jewish leaders who taught and enforced these laws. He was an expert and a rule-enforcing judge. And whenever someone broke any of these laws, and there were lots of them, they would be brought up before these guys and they would dole out the punishment, which sometimes could be quite severe. Now by now, Jesus has become quite a rule breaker and he's gaining a lot of influence among the people, performing miracles, teaching, developing lots of followers, and he's challenging the system. People are talking. They're calling him the son of God, the king of Israel, the lamb of God. This rabbi named Jesus was very unorthodox. He was beginning to pose quite a threat to this religious system. And as the word spread to the Pharisees and the members of the Sanhedrin court, they start to talk as well, and they want to get rid of this guy. Nicodemus is part of this court, and he goes out one night to find Jesus. He wants to see him with his own eyes and hear with his own ears what he has to say, partly maybe because he's curious, partly because he might be hopeful that he is who he says he is and who people say he is. Now, when he gets there, he's flatters Jesus, talks to him, and says, you know, we know you're a teacher that comes from God because these miracles and signs you're performing and the way you teach could not occur without the presence of God. Now, Jesus' response is kind of odd because he just simply could have acknowledged the fact that what he just spoke was the absolute truth. But he doesn't. Instead, he tells him, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again, born above, born anew. Nicodemus probably scratches his head and is like, what is this guy talking about? He says, I'm an old guy. How can I possibly go back into my mother's womb and come out again? But he's thinking of this in a literal sense, not a spiritual sense. 
And he keeps going. Jesus keeps going. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter this kingdom without being born of spirit and water. And he's saying, now he's really even more confused. Because what is he saying? I mean, he was born a Jew. He was a descendant of Abraham. He has studied the Torah forwards and backwards, knew all the laws, was a member of the Sanhedrin court. He enforced these laws. And if anybody was going to see and enter the kingdom of God, it would be him, Nicodemus. I mean, he had all the credentials. He was more qualified than anyone else. So how could Jesus tell him that his heritage and obedience counted for really not much? And so what he was saying, well, he, when Jesus is telling him, look, even those who are not ancestors of Abraham, even those who do not observe these Mosaic laws, will have the opportunity to see and enter this kingdom. To Nicodemus, this is completely unheard of. So Jesus goes on, and he explains it to him in a way that he figures Nicodemus would understand. Him being a teacher of the Torah and the Mosaic law, he would know this story. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I, the Son of Man, be lifted up to whoever believes in him can have eternal life. So if you, in case you've forgotten, I'll give you a little background. What happened is the Israelites were released from captivity and slavery by God through Moses. Moses takes them across the river, and they go into the promised land. Taking a little longer to get to the promised land than they thought, so they start to, just like your kids would in the back of your car, they start to complain. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. Are we there yet? And on top of that, they're also going, saying bad things about God. They're turning their back against God. How can he do this? You know, we've been wandering out here for quite a while. And they forgot what God had done for them already. So God sends out a bunch of poisonous snakes among the Israelites. And boy, nothing will get your attention more than a bunch of poisonous snakes. So they start to repent and understand that what they're doing is totally wrong. And they cry out to Moses and they cry out to God and God instructs Moses to put a bronze snake on a pole, hold it up. Whoever looks at this, even though they've been bitten, will be healed and they won't die. And so anytime they looked at the snake, they would acknowledge their own sinfulness, their own snakiness, if you want to call it that. And they would remember everything that God had done for them. And God's savings act in the wilderness, God's mercy and grace for God's people, the Son of Man is offering this very same mercy, salvation, and grace. And so now Nicodemus is starting to finally understand this. Okay, he looked at the snake through Moses. I got salvation, grace. I look at Jesus. I follow him. I'll get the same salvation and grace. Wow, his mind is blown. But he doesn't stop there. He now, the next thing he says is probably one of the most popular and the most quoted line probably in the entire Bible. I don't know if you remember back in the 70s and 80s, there used to be this guy with a big wig that was multicolored, 
And he would show it up at World Series, Super Bowls. I don't know, the guy got the money to do all this. But any time the camera panned on him, he would hold up a sign, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And the eternal life that Jesus is speaking about is not necessarily what we're thinking that is going to be in the future sometime when we enter heaven. He's talking about a life that begins now. As we experience and understand the love and grace of God that is realized through God incarnate, God in the flesh. It's not about some kind of life after death that we can only reach at a different time. And it's not a separate place. We have to understand that God is always with us everywhere and every place. It's a life that we can experience and also in the future, but it begins here and now. Eternal life is a new life that we enter as we are born of water and spirits, our baptismal life. A life that is experienced when we recognize and begin to let go of our fleshly and worldly desires to put ourselves before others. It helps us get rid of the evil systems that exist in the world today. This eternal life is one that we could experience because of God's great love for us, not necessarily because of anything that we've done. If I say to you, if God were to be in front of you and say, why should I give you eternal life? What would your answer be? Well, I'm sure you would say things like, I'm a good person, I'm kind, I give to charity, I go to church, I take communion, and I'm baptized. And if anybody here is not baptized, or you know someone who's in need of baptism, come see Father Tom after the service. We can make that happen. And so all good things are, are good. These are good things. We should all be doing these things. But Jesus is saying that none of these things alone will get you to see or enter the kingdom of heaven. Because being a follower of Christ isn't just about keeping the rules, doing the good works, and going to church. It's all about a personal relationship, a relationship through, with God through Jesus, his son. Kingdom of God, he's telling Nicodemus, involves grace, justice, and abundant love which is extended to all, not just those in Nicodemus's religious circle, but everyone. And that's when he goes into, so God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, not to condemn, but to save. God loves the whole world. He loves everyone in that way that he gave us his only son. So we could be saved. And so, Start a relationship with Jesus. Take him into your heart to be your savior. So those who believe in Jesus, put their trust in him and follow him. We can continue dismantling evil in this world. And this is good news. It was good news for Nicodemus. So good that towards the end of the gospel, we see how he helped Joseph of Arimathea prepare Jesus' body 
with ointment. It's good news for us as well. For God so loved the whole world, he loved not just Nicodemus, not just me, he loves you in such a way that he gave his only son. So whoever believes and trusts and follows him will not perish, but have the eternal God, life. This is truly the nutshell, the gospel in a nutshell, as Martin Luther once said. So let us pray on that this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to save us. We thank you that we can have a new life and be born again. Help us to remember that every day. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.